Welcome back. This is Brian at the Heart of Grief, and this is the third in our Remix mini-season of programs. When we first published this episode on grief and children back in early December, we thought this would become a very well-listened-to episode, but just the opposite is actually the case. It has had the least number of listens of all our episodes to date. A bit surprising to me. But on reflection, I think I sort of get it. You, our listeners, tune in primarily because your own hearts are hurting from a loss. You're looking for something to bring healing into your own grief. And that makes sense. And we trust that you are finding things here that help you in that way. However, Lori and I do contend that it's important for all of us to better understand grief in children. What we want to convey is two things. First, the recognition that the way we grieve as adults is largely determined for us through our childhood experiences. And second, many of us have children in our lives, and they do grieve. One of the best ways to help someone you love deal with loss well is to help them while they're young. With better information, we can contribute to a lifetime of better outcomes, both for ourselves and for the young ones in our lives. Again, we thank Martin Brothers Funeral Chapels in Lethbridge, Alberta for their ongoing support for our grief care programs. Lori, the topic for today is one that is special to both you and to me. It's the matter of loss and grief in children. We want to talk about how we as parents, grandparents, and caregivers can be more helpful to the kids in our lives when their hearts are hurting. And Lori, it's important for us to say again that we are not psychologists or doctors. And we make this very clear to our listeners. Our program is educational in nature. It's based on the principles drawn from the grief recovery method, which, by the way, has been through academic research and is now an evidence-based effective program. From time to time, we do uh, refer to academic perspectives and to research that we feel is pertinent to the topics of discussion. And that will be the case in this episode. And that's an important clarification that the Grief Recovery Program is evidence-based through Kent University in Ohio. Mm -hmm. So a couple of years ago, Lori, I was told by a psychiatrist that I know that from his academic perspective, children are not able to grieve until around the age of eight years. Something you and I know, and what I think our listeners would affirm, is that kids do experience hurt confusion, and disappointment over various endings and changes that come into their lives. In addition, there is very convincing academic research that strongly supports the assertion that children do indeed grieve, though in ways that are unique to them and to the various stages of a child's mental and emotional development. Absolutely. I read an article from Social Work Today that was very interesting. The title of it was How Children Grieve, Persistent Myths May Stand in the Way of Appropriate Care and Support for Children by Kate Jackson. It starts off discussing the misperceptions regarding the existence of childhood grief and even how babies can exhibit grief responses when a primary caregiver dies. That helpful article is available, by the way, online, um, and we have provided a link to it in our episode notes. 
Now, Lori, our practice when leading people through the grief recovery work is to begin with our own stories of loss. Both you and I have early childhood experiences of loss that we now recognize as being grief events. So why don't we go ahead and each share one of those briefly with our listeners? How about you first? And uh, Lori, we really want to be clear here with our listeners. Our intention in sharing these things is not to be critical in any way or dismissing of our parents and their caring efforts. We're simply wanting to see if we can learn more and help our kids in a more informed way. Okay. So for me, I think it was the first death that I experienced when I was nine years old, and that was of the family pet, a hairy little white dog named Snoopy. He'd been diagnosed with epilepsy when he was quite young, only a few years old. Over time, the seizures started happening more frequently, and he took longer and longer to recover. After a particularly bad night of seizures, my mom suggested that we might need to consider his quality of life and consider putting him down at some point. I ended up making that extremely difficult decision, so my mom dropped me and my two younger siblings off at the bowling alley, and she took Snoopy in. Nothing was ever mentioned about him again that I recall, but every night I remember crying while lying in my bed, missing him with me. But because his name was never mentioned for an awfully long time, I felt that it wasn't okay to talk about him or how I was feeling. Thanks, Lori. Uh, That must have been hard, very hard for you to go from being the decision maker at nine years old, then to be left without any follow-up opportunity to share your sadness and your questions and your memories with the rest of the family. For me, it was a family move to a different city. Uh, I was partway through my grade one year in school at the time. I remember feeling totally unaware of what was going on, except that my world had all changed around. Apart from my family, everything else was different, and I didn't understand, and I did not do well adjusting. Though you and I would probably not have understood in an intellectual sort of way what was going on for us at those times, we knew things were not right. We knew it was upsetting. We behaved differently and saw our world differently as a result. Following that move I mentioned, I went through a significant regression in my social and academic development. I didn't know it at the time. My parents explained it to me later. I've learned that that sort of thing is not uncommon for kids. And these are stories of early loss from our lives. I'm sure each of our listeners will be able to recall events from their own childhood that they will recognize as being real grief as well. Yes, and a big part of what we want to point out here is that loss happens for kids, even at the very youngest of years, and they do grieve. And in most cases, they don't need any professional intervention. Parents and other caregivers are very able to help them and help them well. And so let's talk a bit about how we can do that. We've got seven things that we'd like to touch on briefly. Absolutely. So step one is take care of yourself. And what I mean by this is for us adults to do our own grief work. If we're really struggling ourselves, we're more likely to have trouble helping our kids. Mm -hmm. So how can we do that? Well, obviously, the best way we know how to do that is through the Grief Recovery Method program. We'd love to explain um, how our listeners can connect with the program wherever they live. Even to read the Grief Recovery Handbook by John W. James and Russell Friedman would be a great start. 
Certainly, it's important to be aware of how our own grief is affecting us, how it's showing up in our feelings and our behaviors. Though we want to be honest with our children, we don't want our struggles to enter into our caregiving in a way that confuses our kids or leaves them feeling that somehow they need to be taking care of us. Right. The second thing is that we want to say in our list of seven here is to learn more. Learn more about grief and children. There is, of course, a lot of good information available online. Uh, the article we've shared today would be a great place to start. As always with online materials, we encourage people to check out the source of the information for the authority and, and the reliability of what's being said. Very important. So number three is you go first. What we mean by that is for the adult to take the lead in talking about the loss, about the person or the pet that died, or about the change that has taken place. This includes us adults being honest about our feelings and sharing them in simple ways and language that the young person will understand. That then gives them permission to talk about their own thoughts and feelings. And that leads to number four. Listen to understand, not to correct. All grievers need to be able to express their thoughts and feelings and to be heard without being judged or corrected or instructed on a better way to feel. Kids are no different. Feelings arising from loss are often not what we would think to be rational, but they are very real to the grieving child. They may seem extreme or not well connected to the severity of the loss or the relative severity of the loss as we see it. Examples of this might be um, the loss of a precious comfort toy or blankie or the sudden end of a first love. The child may be convinced that their whole world is falling apart completely. There may be irrational concerns for their safety and well-being following the, the sudden death, uh, for example, of a loved one. Kids just need to be heard and have their feelings validated. While we do want to correct their more technical ideas about illness and death when they've gone astray, or the circumstances of a move or divorce, we want to avoid correcting or dismissing their feelings. That may lead to them withdrawing and bottling things up inside. No, oh, exactly. So number five is tell them the truth. We need to explain this a bit. So kids deserve the truth just like the rest of us do. They're amazingly aware of when their grown-ups are not giving them the real goods. If we mislead them at times of loss, that only adds to their confusion. It may create mistrust or the idea that there is something bad or dangerous about life now. What we're encouraging is the provision of truthful information at a level of communication that they can understand. This may be when informing them about the loss that affects them in some direct way or in answer to their questions. If our kids notice that we're out of sorts in some way and ask about it, we need to tell them what's happening for us and why again, in a way and with language that's at their level. This shouldn't include harsh or graphic details. In addition, we need to be careful how we use the popular euphemisms for death, such as asleep or God called her home or gone to be with grandma. Children need to be told about death and that someone will not be coming back to us. And by the way, this doesn't need to diminish a belief in heaven or a future reunion. Then... 
Our number six is allow for uniqueness and changes. Just like adults, kids have unique personalities. Each relationship in a child's life is unique to them. So not surprisingly, each will grieve in their own ways. That may be different than their siblings, for example. We need to let that be okay. Then a great point from the article mentioned earlier, children's grief will likely be cyclical, meaning that as they mature, they will revisit a loss when their mental and emotional development allows for new understandings and new feelings. Again, we need to be aware of that and be ready to hear and support them when it happens. So, number seven is to take the Helping Children with Loss program. Yes. So this is our four-week or four-session program designed specifically for helping parents, grandparents, teachers, and other adult caregivers to better understand and help the hurting kids in their lives. This is the program that drew my attention to the grief recovery method. I want to mention here that as parents, we know our children better than anyone else. If you are noticing behaviors in your child after a loss, and you have done your best to talk to them and make it safe for them to share, but you're concerned, please don't be afraid to speak to a family doctor or counselor at school. Grief is normal and natural, but with children, sometimes they are unable to understand and process what they're feeling. Thanks, Lori. I think we've provided quite a bit for our listeners to think about in this episode, but is there one bit of what we've talked about that you would like to suggest as our something to think about? Well, I'd like to go right back to the question that we touched on at the start of the program. Do children actually grieve? I would encourage our listeners to reflect on their own childhood experiences as well as those of their children. Think about the hard changes and endings that happened. Is there any better way to describe or understand the experiences than as grief? Right. Then, Lori, there is our something to do. Let me pick up from the invitation to memory and reflection that you just offered. Although we do teach a method and particular actions for people to take when dealing with loss, what we really wish to take place is a greater understanding of ourselves and how loss has affected us. Then, out of our greater self-awareness, we want to choose responses that are more honest, more human, and more healing. So I'd like to encourage our listeners to try a little exercise. Begin by thinking about a loss that happened for you as a child. Then ask yourself, how did I handle it? How did the others around me handle it? How did they handle me? And are there ways you wish it would have been handled differently? This little exercise might stir up some questions for you. If so, be sure that Lori and I would be more than willing to speak with you. We've mentioned before that our mission at the heart of grief is to be sure someone is there for you following a significant emotional loss. That continues to be our intention, and we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, thank you for tuning in. As mentioned, we love to receive comments and questions from our listeners. We invite emails to feedback at theheartofgrief.com. If you'd like to send us paper mail, it can go to The Heart of Grief, care of 610 4th Street South, Lethbridge, Alberta, Canada, T1J4P3. And of course, you can subscribe through your podcast service provider.